Welcome to the Mom Village Podcast. We are three multicultural moms sharing our journey through motherhood with the Christ Center Foundation. For information and resources, visit us at our church's website at gofamilychurch.org. Or you can also email us at themomvillage at gofamilychurch.org. And please go over and follow us on Instagram at themomvillagefc. We're glad that you're here and welcome to our village. Welcome, ladies, to the Mom Village. We're here back again with the new episode we know you're all going to love. We're going to talk about babies and toddlers. So I know you've all been waiting for to hear about what we have to say about babies and toddlers because we have so many kids. How many in total, ladies? Probably Six, like 16. 16. <laughs> 16. three of us. And no counting. No counting anymore for <laughs> us. So we're going to start talking about this. But before we start talking about this new topic, Miss Kristen, that's here with me. She's going to share the winners from the past podcast of self-care and time management. Yeah, so we're so excited about this. So we have our winner for the elderberry, is it syrup? What is it, Jason? Yeah, elderberry syrup. Okay, the elderberry syrup is Tammy Henderson. Yay, Yay, Tammy. We know Tammy. Yes, and then the shipped subscription for the six month of people delivering groceries to your door, which is amazing, is Kristen Vinsel. Yay! Go, Kristen. Congrats. Congratulations. Congrats. Yes. And so remember, ladies, to check your inbox on your email or your Instagram because we're going to DM you and send you the information because you won. So congratulations. And let's not wait any longer. Guys, we have a special guest with us. Ladies, you know the lady that I'm sitting next to? Her name is Cindy Mee. Say welcome, everyone. Cindy. Welcome, Sydney. So glad you're here. Yes. So Cindy Mee works with Mahoney Pediatrics, which is the best pediatric practice in South Florida, period. I mean, if you don't know them and you live here, it's because there's something wrong with you. Everyone knows Mahoney Pediatrics is literally a well-known office here. But yeah, we love Mahoney, which Jonelle Mahoney, which is the main doctor of the practice. She's one of our staff wives as well. And we love her. She's literally has helped every single kid of our 16 kids here and every single kid of exactly of the entire church, basically. Mm -hmm. So Cindy Me works over there and we're so happy to have you here with us. And we're so happy you're going to share with us and talk about babies. You're ready to talk about babies with us? Yeah, let's go. (laughs) Thanks for having me. I have three kids. Yes. Tell us about yourself. I have an 18 month old. I have a pending four year old (gasps) and I have a kindergartner. She's five. And so all girls, they keep me really crazy and really busy. And luckily, I have my best friend and the better parent to help me do things. I married my high school sweetheart. And I don't know how I could manage, you know, this crazy life without him. But we're having fun and learning and surviving. And tell us what you do at the office. So I am a nurse practitioner and I do anything from well visits, sick visits, psychiatric visits, all the way from birth until we keep patients generally to 21. And 
I've been a nurse practitioner now for almost eight years. And if you would have told me at the beginning that I was going to be working in pediatrics, I think I would have told you you're nuts. (laughs) But I absolutely love it. And I'm really blessed to be in such an amazing practice with such wonderful women. And I just, I don't think I could imagine my life without these people and without doing what I'm doing. I just, I don't know. I can't say enough about it. It's funny how we love them. Yeah. How God can kind of change your mind and put you where you're supposed to be, even when you're adamantly against it. So (laughs) it's really great. That's Mm. awesome. So let's go and jump in with babies. So we want to talk to you, moms, especially moms with newborns and babies all the way to like, we'll say to, because we know by two, they're toddlers, but they're still our babies. (laughs) So we're going to start with babies on part one. And let's start talking about how to prepare for a baby, ladies. So from simple things, for example, I have my little babies. And I remember when I was preparing for babies, I went and I grabbed my, I knew I needed a camera because I wanted to make sure I see that baby breathe in and out and make sure if he's rolling in and rolling back and he's on the side, whatever it is, I want to make sure that camera was on the baby's face and baby prove everything, you know, all the electrical things and then the cabinets and whatever. What are some things, Kristen, that you can recommend for moms, new moms that have no idea? It's like, how do I prepare for a newborn? Okay. So, wow, it's been a minute since I've done this. (laughs) I thought I would never forget. And now I'm like, holy cow, what did I do? But I will say, so let me pivot and say, okay, maybe this isn't a very first time mom, Mm -hmm. but a mom that maybe has a little one at home And now is having a baby, something that we did that I'm sure most people do, but we really tried to get that little one prepared for Mm -hmm. baby brother or sister to come home. So we talked about it a lot. We read books about it. We got the room ready together and really tried to include that child into the process because I know it's really easy for them to get super jealous. We never had an issue with that ever. I don't know if God just knew we couldn't handle that issue (laughs) or if some of the preparation maybe helped ward off a little bit of that, but we always made sure that we got a special gift for big brother or big sister and put it in the baby's room and let them see it all wrapped. And so when they got home from the hospital, we had them open it. We brought a cookie cake home and, you know, made a big deal about this big brother and or big sister. And so that was really helpful. It actually helped the transition because mm -hmm. I wasn't, you know, begging that kid to like the sibling. And I'm by no means saying that if you do all this stuff that you won't have any issues. But I think it is our job as a mom to prepare everyone for this new life that's coming in. I remember we did like a little backpack. That's for everyone. It's like your big boy backpack. Yeah, yeah, big boy. And then we put on each one's backpacks, like you have like your set of diapers, wipes, Mm -hmm. and everything. Because I knew they're going to want to help. So I'm like, okay, so this is your, yeah, those are you, that's your baby bag. And then, so every time we'll have to change the baby, they're like, no, no, mama, I want to use my stuff from the baby bag, which is the same things I have in my baby bag. But there's more important. Oh, there's more important. Yeah, they they have their name on it and everything. And then they will get excited. But that's a way that you can incorporate. (laughs) You know, like yeah. the older. We always did like personalized T-shirts. Love oh, it. yeah! And it's so Those funny because fun. Madison went to college last year, and each shirt that she had that had big sister, they were all different. We incorporated into a blanket. Oh my god! And oh my she gosh. was just of so course, shocked. Yeah, I'm <laughs> emotional this morning. That's making me tear up. <laughs> so yeah, we always tried to get something personalized. So oh yeah, it just goes gosh. right along with what Kristen said. And one other thing, I think 
it's been a while too since we've had a newborn mm-hmm. 11 years. And um, one thing that Eric and I always tried to do is, and I think it has a fancy name now. Is it called like a baby moon? Mm-hmm. Is that where they all, you know, oh, you know, you take a trip yes. right before the baby comes. So I think, you know, just even if you can't take a trip, I think it's just nice if you, sometimes baby preparation kind of takes over yes. your home. I know like for me, you know, you get so excited about creating that perfect nursery mm-hmm. and, you know, buying all the things and the showers. But really, you know, taking time to focus, too, on your relationship, because whether it's your first or your fifth, you know, (laughs) you know, having a new baby in the home does change the dynamics of your home and your relationship with your husband. So I would say, you know, really take some time to, you know, really invest in your relationship prior to bringing that sweet bundle of joy into your home. Yeah. So along with your pictures, though, just in the hospital with mom. Yeah. So it always made me feel a whole lot better and a whole lot more in control if I looked kind of cute when I was in the hospital. (laughs) And most people do that now because social media has taken over and nobody wants to look janky on social media. But just having my little makeup bag, a cute pair of PJs or whatever, you know, it makes you feel better. It makes you feel more prepared. Sydney, how about from the perspective of parents? Like, what can you share on your professional opinion? You're like, okay, you know, it's, I always tell my new parents, please go take, for example, CPR classes. Mm, yeah. Like, I cannot tell you how many times we have to like do CPR, <laughs> like almost to the level of CPR because mm-hmm. our kids choke all the time. And I'm so thankful we took those classes. So, so what are some of the things that you can share? That's definitely a good idea. Doing CPR classes, learning the Heimlich maneuver. What is that? That's when they're choking. Okay. So you can tell my husband is the yeah. one. And I've, and I've also done that a million times. My kids are really good at choking on things and putting things in their mouth that aren't food. So <laughs> I get it. I would say, you know, kind of having a plan of how you want to do the sleep thing with babies. Mm -hmm. For me, that's been a really important part of parenting young children. And it's going to be very hard for you to kind of navigate that when you're extremely exhausted. Mm -hmm. So if you can kind of ask around, come up with a game plan and maybe do a little bit of research, you and, and dad, and really kind of know what you're doing before the baby comes out, that would be good prep. Again, I love the idea of the baby moon. That's something I think having a strong marriage because having kids is a strain. And I agree with what you said in the last podcast, Kristen, is we do really want to have a marriage-centered family because that's really the best thing for our kids. And so so we want to make sure that we are investing time in our spouse before we're just completely zapped. Yeah. And the best example you can give your kids' moms is your relationship with dad. Mm-hmm. That's the best example you can give to your kids. So what about when you already have the baby at home, you know, and you're already home and mommy is trying to either nurse or bottle? Like what's something you can help us with that? Because a lot of moms nowadays, they struggle trying to, you know, naturally some moms yeah. can nurse yeah. and naturally others cannot. And it's okay. But what's something you can tell our mom community, you know, to encourage them, hey, don't feel sad. Like these are the options and it's okay. This is a really good topic. And I'm glad you're bringing this up because this is something every day, multiple times a day we're dealing with. There is a big push to breastfeed and it's great. Breastfeeding is wonderful. It is healthy for the babies, but formula is good too. And I think, you know, we cannot guilt each other into thinking that there is one way to do things. And the most important thing is that your baby is fed. Okay. So we don't want to be starving these infants because we're so committed to this breastfeeding because Mm -hmm. we're going to feel like a failure as a mom. No, a fed baby is when they're growing so much and their brain is growing so much right from the beginning that nutrition is huge. And so if you can breastfeed, 
awesome. If you can't, that's okay too. Yeah. That's not a failure. Sometimes yeah. it works and sometimes it doesn't. Or sometimes you can do both. And I did. Yeah. And it was yeah. the best thing I did yeah. was give my babies a formula bottle. So if I wanted to go out with my husband, <laughs> I didn't have to worry about them being fed. Yeah. Yeah. We, my husband helped me in that area because the first baby, you know, you usually, it's kind of like the test run. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you make all the mistakes and you're nervous, you're not sure. Mm -hmm. And even though you take advice, you know, you're still trying to decide. But for our second baby I shared before that my husband helped me. So he will do the night feedings. And I realized, okay, if I need to, for me to be able to help my other kids, I need to rest. So he was the one just doing the night feedings. And that helped me so much. Absolutely. I mean, when you rest, mom, everything is beautiful mm -hmm. at home. So you need mm -hmm. to make sure you rest. Yeah. yeah. And on that subject, talking about rest, mm -hmm. if I can dive into some yes, sleep please. stuff oh, here. <laughs> that's really huge. I mean, these kids, as I just said, their brains are developing so much. And sleep is a huge part of neurodevelopment. And just like anything else with being a parent, it's our job to teach our kids how to sleep. Yes. And I mean, Amen. this is a big like, uh, what? My baby doesn't like to sleep. Like, no, your baby doesn't like anything. We have to <laughs> teach them to do the things. And this is one of those things. So just to kind of give you a ballpark and in, in any statistics or information that I put out in this podcast, I just want to let everybody know I'm getting it through either the American Academy of Pediatrics website or through the CDC. So that's where I'm getting these statistics from. Sure. But okay. basically, if you have a zero to three month old, they're going to require 14 to 17 hours a day. And for four to 12 months, it's about 12 to 16 hours a Take day. Take note, mama. Wow. Take note. So if you're like, my baby just doesn't like to nap, like, no, they need this yes. to grow. Yes. Yes. And, you know, as far as where does the baby sleep, the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends that infants room share, so stay in the room with the parents for at least six months, optimally a year. I'm going to be honest because that's mm. how I roll. <laughs> I didn't do that with all my kids. I felt pretty comfortable once they were sleeping well transitioning them out. And I thought that that was really the best thing for our sleep. Yeah. But I mean, those are the guidelines. So I'll put that out yeah, there. Yeah. Well, at least for us, and again, this is our personal experience. Mom, you go by your personal experience. But for us that we have multiple kids, by the time they turn two months, we'll put them in their room. And a lot of you disagreed. Let's agree to disagree. But mom, I realized my husband needs time with me and I need time with my husband. Mm -hmm. I need time to sleep too, to rest. So the baby's going to be okay. You're nervous. This is why I was saying for preparing, just get that camera and put it on that baby's face. If you need to see it 24-7, we have so many great technology right now mm -hmm. that is doable to do that, you know? So one thing that, you know, moms always, I feel like I get these newborn questions all the time. It's like, my baby is always grunting and making noises in their sleep. And I call them dinosaur noises. Mm -hmm. And that is the reason that as soon as I could transition my kids out of my room, I did because mm -hmm. they're sleeping but they're noisy sleepers. Mm -hmm. And as moms, like our brain gets turned on as soon as it's we have this here. baby yeah. and any little noise that they make, we're up and we're alert. And so, you know, it just doesn't always work. Now, not all kids, some kids are going to be up feeding throughout the night for longer periods. And mm -hmm. I have had that with some of mine, but in general, you know, you've got to do what works best for your family. But one other important thing that I really want to bring up 
you guys had asked me, you know, what is some of the leading causes of infant death? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the most preventable cause of infant mortality is suffocation or SIDS. Mm-hmm. And I want to bring up the statistic that in 1990, there were 130.3 deaths per 100,000 live births. But then they went through this big safe sleep campaign where we pushed everybody to make sure that their babies were put to sleep on their back in their own bed. And the statistics in 2017, it's only 35.4 deaths per 100,000. That's a huge wow. decrease wow. in infant yeah, mortality. And that really proves that, you know, by changing what we've done with these infants, making sure that there's no blankets or loveys or anything when they're that little in the crib yeah. and putting them on their back, it's really reducing the rate of death. And I get it. I have been an exhausted mom. (laughs) I understand my kids would sleep better if I was right there, but it's really not worth the loss of your child. This is about safety, prevention, and going back to what I said, this is about us teaching our children how to have good sleep. And it starts from the moment we bring them home from the hospital. And mom, there's a thin line too. I feel that, I mean, there's some specific cases, we understand there's so different cases, like if there's something going on with the baby previously that we know, you know, this baby has a condition or whatever. So we're not generalizing. We know Mm -mm. there's specific cases, you know, that you have to be more concerned than others. We're just stating this as the fact that your baby's healthy, he was born healthy, you know, and you can, by the time the doctor tells you, you can then put him in their room, you know, and we're given the statistics so you're aware or what we're talking about, this is not because we're thinking about it. These are proof of studies that have been done. Mm -hmm. So how about in terms of like food and feeding? Because I remember by the time they're four months, a lot of moms, you know, they're scared to introduce foods. I'm so Spanish. I was like, I'm ready for avocado. (laughs) I want that baby to taste that avocado. And I remember Jonelle will always tell me, hey, that's great for brain development. I'm like, oh, I want them to be smart. Baby Einstein. (laughs) Those are my babies. You're eating an avocado every day. So that's what I started my kids on, avocado. So, you know, the general guidelines, they really switch every couple years. So that's nice and confusing for us moms, right? (laughs) One year it's this, the next year it's that. thank Thank you, Sydney. So like (laughs) four to six months is fine. I think right now the official stance is six months. I started my kids at four months and it really comes down to their gross motor development. Can they sit up well? Can they hold their head up well? Then they can be ready. There's a big push towards baby led weaning, which is something like we don't have time for me to explain, but that's a really cool thing. And I think that it really starts healthy eating habits. But, you know, from that method, it's really six months. So the main idea is that, If your pediatrician gives you the green light, you want to introduce something every couple of days. So if your child has a reaction, you can be aware of that. But the benefits to starting solids, you know, at four to six months is number one, you're going to be avoiding a texture aversion. So some people who only give the bottle or they nurse for Mm -hmm. until the baby is almost, you know, nine months, a year old. They don't know what to do with food in their mouth, and they will usually refuse most food. So that's something that's really awful. Take no, mama. That we don't want to be dealing with. And then the other thing is we know that the earlier we introduce foods, the less likely that children are to have a food sensitivity or allergy. So the longer you wait to introduce certain things, the more likely that they are to have. And so actually, you know, peanuts is a big thing. That's something now we're saying go ahead and and try a very small amount right at six months. Really? So, yep. 
That's yeah. newer research. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah I'm we a terrible I, mom apparently. I'm finding <laughs> that out right now. Yeah. We did it with Luke. Guys. He, start, he started licking it. He loved it. But here's a That's tip awesome. for you, mom, though. If you're starting food, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Sydney. This is why I have you here. But start with greens. Mm-hmm. What I've seen with my little ones, start with greens. Don't give them sweet potato the right away. Yeah. Or applesauce. I mean, it's delicious. But then if you start with the sweets, they will not take the greens. So start with the greens and all the vegetables. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to make the cutest faces because what baby doesn't make you faces, yeah. you know? that just get your camera and take pictures but start with the greens and then introduce like all the sweet potato and the more sweet stuff and then you'll see how your baby will love eating everything you put in the plate so we talk about foods and what else can we say a little bit more about babies how about when they start oh oh, so you had brought up media and a couple things on that there's so many things, right? We have this technology at our fingertips and we have these mom podcasts that we're listening to <laughs> and we have I know, you the know, mom village. Yeah, the mom <laughs> village, those girls. But so it's great because there's a lot of great resources out there. There's things that can help us with sleep training and feeding ideas and I'm going to make sure that you guys have the links to some good resources yeah. that you can put in the show notes, but There's also a lot of stuff out there that's not so good. Mm -hmm. And that's why we really want to make sure that if you read something or you see an article or maybe you see a friend post something that interests you in regards to raising your child or whatever it may be, ask the question. Bring it to your pediatrician, right? Because – I mean, that's my favorite thing. Even if it's dead wrong and super scary, I'm so grateful that the parent is asking me about this because that means that we can have a conversation, we can educate, and I can make sure that that kid is safe. Yeah. And then the other thing, and this is just for moms, and maybe I'm the only one that feels this way, but social media, it can be a little poisonous. And I think when you have young children, that's a very isolating phase of life. Yeah. And so social media can kind of amplify that when you're seeing, you know, the people that you used to be spending time with out and doing things or spending time with each other, it can kind of make you feel even more alone. And also, you know, it really can play into the comparison game, which Mm -hmm. is very dangerous Mm -hmm. in parenting, especially with little kids, because development is on a little bit of a spectrum. And some children are going to walk at nine months and some children are going to walk at 15 months. And it can drive parents nuts (laughs) if their kid isn't doing this or that because their friend on Facebook with a baby two days older is doing this. So keep that in mind. You've got a child to take care of and your mental health is really important. So if you're feeling these feelings, take a break. And ladies, just trust the people that has dedicated their lives to do this. This is why what Sydney was sharing is so important. Like, it's okay to do your research and read your blogs and everything, but then go and ask the professionals because they literally dedicated their lives to study this and to help your kids, you know? So Sydney, how about in terms of, this is a big thing that I, I struggle with a lot of moms that I love dearly, but nowadays everything is allergies mm-hmm. and my kid has an allergy to this and I, I stop eating a dairy or gluten or I'm going to stop eating nuts and all that stuff. And then, and they get to these conclusions without actually doing a medical, you know, mm-hmm. just getting tested. You know, how can you advise moms like, Hey, don't generalize or do this or do that. How can you? Yeah. That is something that comes up a lot. And Food sensitivities, you know, they can be a thing. I agree with you, you know, in terms of eliminating things from your child's diet, I would just really go based off of your pediatrician's advice because, you know, we may say, why don't you cut out dairy? Let's see if it helps with their eczema or or whatever the case may be. But, you know, 
Nutrition is a huge thing and they can be difficult to feed anyways. I mean, anybody that's had a child over the age of one knows that. So when you're eliminating food groups, you're kind of making your job a lot harder. And if there's not a medical reason to do so, you know, why? And also what we know about, I said before, when we're introducing solids, the early exposure reduces the risk of food allergies. So if we're deciding like, I think my kid's allergic to this and we eliminate it from their diet, they don't have that protein exposure, then truly they might develop an actual or severe allergy. So these are things to consider. Yeah. Mm. So mom, so what we're trying to say is like, if it's not medically diagnosed, you know, try to talk to a pediatrician, you know, try to talk to them. And if you have any questions or concern, talk to them because Mm -hmm. they're little, they're growing and there's a lot of things going on. So let's not just Google the symptoms and get to our own conclusions because at the end of the day, these people are the ones that actually have the degree and they're experts in this. So Sydney, how about, how can we involve, and maybe Kristen can help us with that because she's an expert. How can we involve our husbands, Kristen? Like when you have little ones, how can we involve our husbands? So I think you maybe alluded to this earlier when you said that Christian did the night feeding for yes. you. And so I don't think that there's one thing like, oh, have your husband do this. But I've noticed in our marriage that there's certain things that Jimmy actually really enjoys doing. One of those is for his wife to be happy and at <laughs> peace. He'll pretty much do anything to make that happen. So you know, logistically, when they were older, I couldn't take everybody to the grocery store, so he would grocery shop. So that's not babies, but I'm saying like he enjoyed doing that. He's not so much on cleaning toilets and doing laundry. (laughs) He doesn't like that. But, you know, you find things that if they offer to do it, it's probably something that they don't mind doing. You might hate it. So don't project that on them. If they offer, let them help. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that Jimmy did, he didn't do the latest night feeding, but he would find the pressure for some reason all of our kids i don't know if they were just sabotaging me or what but <laughs> about so when they would take their little cat nap in the evening or whatever until they would feed at like 11 at night they were just kind of fussy they wouldn't take a nap right you know we had to train them to do that but he would kind of take over so that i could go ahead and go to bed and be prepared to have that later feeding. Yeah. And he was going to be up anyway. He was in seminary and reading and studying. So it was easy for him to hold that baby. And it's a good time, quality time sweet. for them. Yes. So instead of me robbing him of that time yeah. and acting like superwoman and marching around the house being grumpy and tired, I would just go to bed and get like a cat nap myself. And then I could function. And don't, don't you find yourself sometimes when you walk by and you see and you're like, oh, you look sexier today. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because it's it's, it's definitely <laughs> romantic and like... You fall in love even more. We're like, oh, can you just put a suit on and carry that baby? And that's it. That's exactly. it. Pump some iron while you're doing it. My heart, my, then, then we're just melted. But I do think that's key is find things that notice when they offer to help what they're offering to help do. And then... Let him do it. Yeah. Or show him like, I don't know what this is about this part of the day, but I'm really having a hard time. Yeah. And let them help you kind of think through it. Sometimes mom brain is foggy whenever we have newborns. And so sometimes just I'll labor over some kind of thing that's going on with one of my babies or toddlers or whatever. If I just mention it to Jimmy, Sydney's shaking her head. They have this answer immediately. (laughs) It almost makes you mad for just a second. Like, why didn't I think of that? Well, we have so many things going on in our brain. Thank you. 
you. Like you. But Sydney, don't you agree with that? Totally. We do. We call it tap out. So either either we have the self-realization on our own to say, I need to tap out, or I'll have my husband come over and touch my shoulder and say, tap Tap out. out. Yeah. And then he'll jump in with a clear head and a little bit calmer and deal with whatever the situation is. And I totally agree with you. I can think of all these. And I mean, I like what I do, I work in pediatrics sure. and I would be so frustrated about a situation with the baby. And here's this man that comes in, you know, not breastfeeding <laughs> and doesn't, and he just can fix it. And so I totally agree. Sometimes having that other person with the clear head, dads mm-hmm. are awesome. They're yeah. so I mean, true. They They're can so do cool. things better They're super in heroes. some ways yes. and different and let them be in it. You yeah. Know? Yes. Jimmy, Jimmy was like the best swaddler mm-hmm. of all time. Oh, really? He has these little things that he's good at that nobody <laughs> would know because he's like Mr. Macho. But he can be crafty. Like I'm telling you, different Martha sides of this Stewart. guy. I'm telling you. He, he's a Martha Stewart. Well, what it is, he's super smart. And like once he figures out he wants to figure something out, he just goes for it. But he could swaddle him so tight. And it was little things like that, that that it was makes his thing. Difference. And then so I'm just like, honey, could you come over here and swaddle him? And he's like, yeah, let me take care of that. (laughs) But, you know, little things like that. But they do. They come in with a clear head. Dads don't get as emotionally involved that we do. And so let them speak into it. Kira, I'm sorry. No, no, no. One (laughs) thing I was going to say is just thinking back to those days when in our early baby and childhood toddler stage, one thing that Eric always encouraged me was to take a night off. So I know for moms, that's really difficult because we want to be there. We want to, Mm -hmm. you know. Or at least in my house, I wanted to kind of direct and guide oh, everything. Yeah. But from the time we had our oldest up until our youngest, every Thursday night was my night off. I mean, he would come home from work early. That's a good husband. I didn't have to worry That's about sweet. bath time. I didn't wow. have to cook on Thursdays. Oh, my gosh. We're going to have a lot of moms was... nagging their husbands after this. <laughs> Don't do she it, gets... ladies. Don't do it. <laughs> and I really, you know, initially I was like, well, no, I'll do this. No. And he insisted that Every Thursday, he was like, I don't care if you just go ride around, get a coffee, go to Target, go, you know, go out with your girlfriends. Every Thursday night, you have to That's leave a wise this house. Man right there. Yes, he was ready to make the investment because he knew when I returned home yes. that I was going to be a better mom, a better wife. And this went on for years. That's awesome. Every single Thursday night. Well, and see, that's a case in point of he offered to do that. And so it was something that he wanted to do. Men don't generally offer, we do, women <laughs> yes. do. We offer too much. <laughs> Men don't generally offer to do things that they don't want to do. And so don't project on him that he's just trying to be nice and, and he really hates it. He was probably excited about was Thursday excited And it was quality time. And our yeah. kids loved it. They just, when they knew it was Thursday, they got excited. I don't know what went on in my house on Thursday nights and I really don't care. <laughs> all I wanted to know is when, and I would call, I'd say, are they all asleep now? They're all, okay, I'm on my way. They knew, they knew that Friday was coming. They knew Friday was coming yeah. and mama was happy. Hey, do we have time to talk about shots? I of see course. that on our list. Yes. While Sydney's that was here. actually my last point. Oh, and you I want was, me to stop? No. Okay. No, I'm glad you brought it up because. I want to hear from Sydney about it. Of because course. Because it's important. Yeah. I think that's very important and oh. it's a topic that is a lot of discussion by a lot of moms. So let's see. So I'll try to be kind of as brief as I can. My, I do encourage you if, you know, you have questions or you have reservations to talk to your pediatrician about it. We have a lot of information. A lot of times we don't have the time to go into, you know, the details of everything, but we do want people to understand why we do what we do and why we believe in it. So a few things kind of, I guess you pose this to me as what to do and what not to do. So do give them 
don't skip them. Mm. Some parents like to give Tylenol prior to their kids getting shots. Please don't do that. That is contraindicated, but you can give Tylenol after if they have a fever or if they're fussy. What we do know without a doubt that these produce good immunity and that they reduce the risk of disease in our populations and they are safe. These are vaccines that we give to our own kids and, you know, we don't want you listening to anecdotal evidence that a friend had this experience. We want you to talk to a professional about this because, you know, it really comes down to we're doing this. We've dedicated our lives to this, to making sure that our society is healthy and protecting your child. So, you know, something to just think about. We spend time away from our own families to take care of yours. And I worry about my patients. I pray over my patients. Mm. I cry over my patients. And I am the biggest cheerleader of you, the parents, when you're successful. I would never, ever do anything that would hurt a kid. And that's why I so believe in vaccines because it's keeping these kids healthy and safe and out of the hospitals. And, you know, I'm definitely speaking, I think, for everybody. I, I don't think there's any pediatrician that would disagree with me on those things. But I fully understand this is so hard for some moms. Yeah. I even doing this every day, giving my two month old shots, I feel like, oh, you know, this poor baby. Mm-hmm. But I know that, again, as a mom, I'm making a tough choice to do the best thing for my kid. And that's the same as, you know, feeding decisions and sleep training decisions and protecting them. Sydney, what's a misconception you get from a lot of moms that you can say, you know, about shots? Because we know this is a very difficult topic and a lot of you has different views, mom, and it's okay to disagree. You know, we always say, let's agree to disagree, but we want to talk about it because the world talks about it, Mm -hmm. you know, and why don't we talk about it, especially with somebody that deals with it every day and is a professional. What's a misconception? A lot of moms come and be like, oh, but sometimes they give shots to kids that they don't need it. Mm. And while they're giving this Mm -hmm. type of shot now, and they haven't seen this sickness in so many years. Right. So yeah, we could talk about this for hours, or I certainly could. So just briefly, you know, one thing I would say is, you know, a lot of what's out there that I think kind of feeds this fear that parents get, the stuff that's out there on the internet might look like a medical study. And if you read it fully or see what the source is, Mm -hmm. you'll really understand that it is not. Somebody's Mm -hmm. just putting information out there with nothing to back it. So there's a lot out there where people want to do altered vaccine schedules, where maybe they split them up or they give them slower. And I just want to tell you on that. Number one, there is no research that proves that splitting up shots or altering your vaccine schedule produces immunity. So you might be giving your child immunizations and they don't even work because you're coming up with this different formula. Even though there are people out there that have said, this is the way to do it, it's actually not studied. And also, when you do that, you end up giving your child more injections and more proteins. Because if you think about it, in order to keep a vaccine stable, You've got to have proteins in there to make it good for six months or a year, however long until it expires. So if you're doing multiple injections instead of, you know, the combo shots where we give, you're putting a lot extra into your child's body Mm -hmm. that's absolutely not necessary and it really might not be safe. So trust me, I mean, I get it. I am very sympathetic to, you know, the fear and the anxiety of wanting to do the best thing for your kid and never wanting to harm your kid. But 
that's why we're here to help guide you with education and experience yes. and kind of take that pressure off you as a parent to like you there's so much that you have to decide yeah. and we're telling you this is okay and this is safe and what you're saying like we've never seen this disease and and whatever yeah. maybe not in the US yeah but sure. they're fighting polio in Africa still yeah. because yeah. of vaccine hesitancy yeah. and you know this is a disease that can kill and maim children yeah. and I mean, thank God in the U.S. we don't see that anymore. Yeah, I shared with you that I, I was listening to this comedian and he said that with all this topic about the shots and everything, he said, well, I pray that your kid doesn't want to be a missionary because you just ruined his <laughs> his future. But it's true what exactly. you're saying. And I know a lot of moms, I mean, again, it's your decision, mom, but you, you got to... Just make sure you get advice, you seek counsel, you respond to the professionals about it. And I just wanted to ask you really quick one more thing. So for those moms that actually don't give any vaccination to the kids, what are some things that you can share at least and be like, okay, you know what, that's your decision, I respect it, but you can do this to at least keep your baby's immune system or health better? Like what's mm. something that you can recommend something like that? Sorry to put you on the yeah, spot. Yeah, you did. That's a hard <laughs> question. If I can kind of just shift that question a sure, little bit. Sure. I think I think this is, and I, I want everybody to understand I'm saying this sincerely. I'm not, this is not coming from a place of judgment or condemnation, but I think in our society, we have a very me-centered view. What's the best thing for me and my family? And I'm going to do what's good for me and I'm going to do me or whatever. Hello. Yeah. And, you know, that's kind of the vaccine thing, right? I mean, mm -hmm. the reason that it's important to immunize is because we're protecting one another. And if you say, well, I really don't want to put that in my child's body. You know what? I pray and I hope that your child does not contract any of these preventable diseases mm -hmm. that could cause death or brain damage or blindness or whatever. But you're kind of putting other people at risk, people that are undergoing cancer treatments or have other immune diseases to where they can't get immunized. And just by, you know, being around that person at Target or, you know, a family member, you know, your child could give them a disease that could potentially kill them. Yeah. And I think, you know, we have to think about others. And we can't just do the best thing that works for me in the moment. We have to think about yeah. one another and care for one and another. And I love that you bring that up because probably most of the people, again, we're not trying to be hurtful. We're just trying to be real because the world is real and they don't ask for permission. Mm. And most of the time, these people, they were actually vaccinated when they were kids, yes. but they're deciding not vaccinate <laughs> yeah. your kids. Like, yeah. I don't get it, you know? But again, mom, we're not trying to like you know, make you feel about it or anything. We're just giving you resources and professional opinions and you make the decision because the world does it every day. And we here at the Mom Village, we want to make sure you hear not only from a professional perspective, but from a Christian mom professional, mm -hmm. you know, and Sydney loves the Lord. Like all three moms, we love the Lord and we want the best for your family and your kids. So mom, thank you so much for listening. Anything else you guys want to add? No, then ladies, just stay tuned because next part of part two is going to be toddlers and you don't want to miss it. So thank you, Sydney, for hanging out with us. She will hang out for part two as well. But mom, remember to subscribe and remember to follow us on Instagram because you could be entered to our next giveaway and it's going to be good. Ladies, let's say it again because last time it was really good. Ready? <laughs> One, two, three. Bye. Bye.